Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. This is the show that everybody loves, Upon Further Review. And as always, I'm your host Cody Kitchen and joined with me is Dr. John Hall. Yes, Uh, good afternoon. Yes, and we're talking about a message that you preached on Sunday, Increasing Times of Difficulty, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. Um, it was a great message, and uh, it was, I think, needed to hear by a lot of people. Um, it was really good. But before we get started, and before we get into the questions, my f- one of my favorite questions are the beginning and the end. But uh, what are some things that came to mind as you prepared this message? The first thought, the relevance of the Bible, how the Bible speaks to the 21st century with such clarity and authority, like it was written for this moment. And this text bears forth the evidence of such a statement. So that was one of the items, thoughts that came to my mind very quickly, was hoping the church would see right away that the Word of God is so relevant for our lives. And this text could be Exhibit A, certainly from Second Timothy. And I think we've all been surprised at how applicable Second Timothy is, not for only, sure. of course, for pastors, leaders of the church, but especially uh, for all Christians. Yeah. And I'm going to keep my answers brief because... We are dying, itching to get to the That Stupid segment. Yeah, it's a good one. And yeah, we've heard a lot of complaints cool. that yeah. we don't do it. Yeah. It's almost as if they say, like, I don't want to hear the show. Just get to the Yeah, and that's okay. That you know, we appreciate people listening. Yeah, absolutely. What, whatever portion of the show uh, speaks to you most. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, started your message by opening um, kind of what you were just saying, talking about how intense and intense the text before us is and how it grabs our attention or it should grab our attention and um, you had kind of three um, in you say in the passage of sacred scripture we unmistakably see three things a statement of fact a summary of evidence and a strategy of fools and so your first one the first idea was a statement of fact in verse one and which talks about, in verse 1 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And you, you tell us that there's this cold, hard fact um, that's not hiding, that um, is why Paul said originally about warning of false teachers and all of that, of the, the phrase the last days is a reference to the age, um, the age in which we do life, the here and now. And... Um, you talked about in the last days, there's times of difficulty will only increase in frequency and intensity. And you also said that how can we mistakenly know that we are in the last days with everything going on? And so my question is, would you expand more on the meaning of the last days? What does that mean? Well, technically, as I stated in the sermon Sunday, it means the days succeeding the first advent of Christ uh, upon his ascension that certainly set into motion right. the last days. So we are in the last days, technically speaking. More uh, micro, zeroing in, I guess, more focused way. Uh, re- read the headlines these days, and you'll, 
you'll come to a conclusion that it is highly possible that we are in that season of, of God's timing where it could very well be God is prepping the world for the eventual return of his son. You could also say, based on the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, which is the Olivet Discourse, that these are the continuation of birth pains. Hmm. But, you know, look around at everything that's going on in the world right now. It's just utter chaos and evil is marching in triumph, but only temporally. I'm grateful for that truth. But uh, we call wrong right and right wrong and all this confusion about our sexuality and um, the the secular humanistic ideology that's uh, penetrated every arena of public life. Uh, the corrupt media, uh, politics. I mean, look around. I mean, you don't even have to look far uh, to see the evidences that Paul speaks of in this text. And I, I, I pointed out in the sermon that there were some 18 identifiers mm-hmm. that Paul uh, gives us in that text that help us to understand what are the markers of the end times. Read yeah. through them again, and you'll come to the same conclusion. And, and maybe it's been like this a lot throughout history, but... Perhaps it's more pronounced because of the way uh, information is communicated so quickly in the news cycles. Repeat, you know, a 24-hour news cycle, and like the next day it's old news, and we move on to some other kind of depravity. I just don't think – I don't see how you come to any different conclusion other than we are definitely living Hmm. in the last days. And I I noted, too, that two very popular megachurch pastors – jumped on this quick and they got books coming out mm-hmm. <laughs> really it sells absolutely i do not have a book coming out the <laughs> book's already out i'm just the mouthpiece for the book <laughs> yeah. i'm speaking of the bible but uh yeah i noticed that uh man they're jumping on it quick doing a sermon series mm-hmm. broadcasting it quickly and seizing on the opportunity which i think is clever for sure, sure. uh and i think we're all having to de- deal with the reality that, yes, according to Scripture, we are living in the last days. And that's why I delineated it the way that I did, that technically we're, we've always been in the last days. But mm-hmm. Paul offers these evidences. So after he has this statement of fact, he moves on to a summation of the evidences that are indicative of times that present themselves for uh, what Christ alludes to in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. So that would be a, a too long of an explanation of an answer to your question. Well, that's really good. And um, it's kind of a great seg- segue and going to your second idea, in which is a summary of evidence, in which you had talked about earlier of the um, these 18 items in which you listed that identify the, the markers of a godless, pagan, depraved society. Um, and you really did a good job of pointing those out and talking about the, these are the futures that would be common among the unbelieving and really c- comparing the, the saved and the ones that aren't saved and what um, in the end times of what that will look like. And you talked about how that Paul says this in, in these verses that it will be marked by those who will be ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, um, which is another word for greedy, as you said on Sunday as well. And 
you talk about the lack of self-control and everything that you're saying, you're right to say what you said in the beginning is you can see it all over our world today. You don't have to look far. My question is one of the things that you talked about is, you, you know, you were talking about you can appear to be Christian um, by going to church, by knowing some doctrine a little bit, knowing these cliches, um, following all these big name bloggers or preachers. Um, and you talked about that the outer appearance is pointless um, and that we have to check ourselves and check our hearts, I guess, against these evidences of a form or appearance of godlessness. And so my uh, godliness, I'm sorry. And my question is, what can we do as the one saved by God's grace to even check ourselves to make sure we don't have any of these evidences of ungodliness? That's a good question. I think it always begins with a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it also uh, includes faithful reading and studying and thinking upon the truths of the Bible. I don't think you can have a growing relationship with Christ without time spent in His Word and in prayer. I think you should be a part of a, of a believing faith community. I would love for everyone in Cleveland to come to Field Street Baptist Church and be connected to this church. But that doesn't appear to be God's plan. But we all need an association with a body of like-minded believers. And we're all pulling on the same end of the rope to live a life that is righteous. And, and a pleasing to the Lord. So the short answer is I, I don't see how this can take place in any of our lives if we don't have a personal growing relationship with Jesus yeah. and a commitment to marinate our minds and hearts in the Bible. And, and then I, I just don't, man, the church is so important to that. I, I actually have a bit of a sympathy and an aggravation with those who are who profess to be Christians but never darken the door of a of a church yeah. of a New Testament church. I don't understand that to be perfectly honest. And so I see the real value of being a part of a faith community on a regular basis where I'm among other people who share similar struggles and they help me and I help them. I think that's the way God designed the body of Christ is we bear one another's burdens, thus fulfilling the law of Christ, and we help each other. Iron sharpens iron. You help me, I help you. And it's supposed to be that kind of interdependence. I don't think we're ever meant to live the Christian life in utter solitude and you know the Lone Ranger type Christian. So those would be responses I, I would offer. I'm sure there's others, and you may have a better and different perspective on it than I do. Wow, that's good. I, and I, This is kind of going into what we're going to, the question later, but you've talked recently a lot about these past few sermons, and even on Sunday nights, you've talked about the importance of being in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to jump into, because that's going to be our next question, but I think real quickly, kind of going along with your point, I think it all stems from what you know of Scripture, and you know of what it looks like 
you know, the Sermon on the Mount as we're going through, mm-hmm. you're going through on mats and um, rut is a perfect example of what it looks like to have it, to be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, mm-hmm. with the, what it, Jesus lays out perfectly yeah. in that sermon. And so I'm agreeing with what you're saying is just, it's, it's laid out perfectly through scripture. And if only we would open it into even apply it of what these words say to our lives. I think that's a small ounce of, mm. I mean, there's so much there that, you can tell. You can you can see the fruits. You can see the the way the people think, the people act, as compared to what Jesus and what God says it looks like. Yeah. Um, so, only adding to your to your point. Sure. Um, which is a again just another perfect transition to finally you talk about a strategy of fools in verse six through nine, and <laughs> um, which you're talking about. Kind of you start with talking about the cultural background, um, which I encourage you to go. Please go and listen if you haven't listened to the sermon because John does a really good job of explaining that verse. Um, I think it was at verse uh, 6 where it talks about the women and the culture background there. But you talk about that these fraudulent fools that were creeping into these households to capture these women, um, you know, who are burning with these things, that you make the application to say, church, quote, church, you must study God's word and grow in your knowledge of the Bible. If you don't, you'll be vulnerable to the lies and deceptions. And man, that, I think there's so much truth to that. And the only way to combat falsehood, as you said on Sunday, is to combat it with truth. And we know truth to be God's word Mm. in scripture. And, um, and so, you know, Again, we've talked a lot about even this Sunday, these past few Sundays, and just kind of everywhere of how important it is to be in God's Word, to, to open up the Bible for yourself, to see it for yourself, to read it for yourself. And um, you talk about how these verses kind of make you step back and evaluate to whom are you listening, to whom are you finding your truth. And the question I want to ask is, for those who may struggle with reading the Bible, do you have any tips on how they can get started it started by doing it daily? Yes. If I was counseling a new believer who said, yeah, I really want to read the Bible and I want to do more and better to understand Scripture, how, how could you help me? What guidance would you give me? Get a really good study Bible. Mm-hmm. That That's... An excellent tool to begin, and and the better ones have exceptionally good explanatory notes at the bottom portion of the study Bible. I would start in the Gospel of John, of course, and then I would I'd have no issue with with reading through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, yeah. by arguably the greatest preacher who's ever preached a sermon, Jesus Christ. John is significant because John does a masterful job as he was directed by the Holy Spirit of giving us this really full and complete picture of who Jesus is and his work. And you got to know that. You got to be secure on what you know and believe about Jesus. And I say that because that's the ultimate litmus test for denominations, churches, organizations, world religions. What do they teach? about Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't match up with the scripture, I wouldn't stay long. Yeah. So I would I I just urge people start, just start reading the Bible. And if 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 you're looking for a place to dive in, 
that's manageable. You don't have to be a seminary student to appreciate the glory of the Bible. Amen. Start in John. Move to the Sermon on the Mount. And and just ask for the Lord's help. He'll help you. He wants you to understand and know and the Word. And He's revealed Himself to us in the Bible, how we can have a relationship with Him, why we need to have a relationship with Him, the, the consequences of sin, everything we need to know to be saved and to live the obedient life is all found in the pages of God's Word. So I would say to anybody, just just start and keep doing it. Yeah. Don't. Don't give up because you bump up against a verse you don't understand. Who doesn't? We all do. For sure. But keep going. Um, you know, you don't bail on your marriage the first time you have an argument with your spouse. You, you stay at it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in this thing together till the end. Right. So that'd be my encouragement to all of us. Just keep with it. That's good. And if I can add a, a resource, Please. there's one that I have told the young adults a lot as we've been going through our discipleship groups is uh, study Bible is great, but there's a free, uh, everyone likes free, uh, <laughs> website called Enduring Word. And it's even an app on your phone, yeah. and it's commentary. It's a pastor. I haven't re- come across, I haven't read the whole thing, obviously, um, but I haven't come across anything that's, I would say that you shouldn't read. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty basis, uh, you know, just kind of basic things and it's really good. He kind of goes in depth and a certain few things, uh, but that's something that's free. It's there for you enduringword.com, and they even have an, an app enduring word. Um, it's got commentary and it's got other resources on there too, but it's a really good resource for you. That's free. Um, Perfect. so if, if you want something, uh, that's something that I, for now, that I trust. And I haven't, mm-hmm. again, come across something. So if you do come across something that isn't so good, let me know. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, I think it's pretty safe. And yeah. so I encourage you all to do that. Good. Um, that's good. Well, as we, we're doing good on time, so we'll have plenty of time for that stupid thing. Oh, nice. But yeah. before we get there, what are some final thoughts? What are your final words? Uh, well, I, I hope um, everyone has a great Thanksgiving. I don't know that we're doing a podcast Next week, are we? I don't know. I mean, we can. I'm going to yeah. be here. You going to be here? Yeah, we'll be here. I guess we we'll should. Do it. We'll yeah. wish everybody happy Thanksgiving then. Okay. And I'm excited to share that we're, we'll conclude Second uh, Timothy on December 17th before Christmas. Yeah. It's a Christmas gift to the congregation. <laughs> but I'm working this week on a on a text where Paul basically shares with Timothy. He realizes my death is imminent. And his his parting words are, I love the imagery. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've run my course. I've kept the faith. Oh, man, I hope I can say that when my finish line gets there. And I'm closer to my finish line in all likelihood than you are. (laughs) Um, So I leave that thought. You know, all of us ought to be thinking about how we're going to finish. Really good. And uh, when you start, you know, getting my age, you you realize you have more of your life behind you than you do in front of you. So you start paying more attention to the race you're running. Mm. And I love that Paul. He said, "The time for my departure has come, and I've poured my life out as a drink offering." It's glorious. Mm. It's rich. So we'll hit that on December tenth look forward to it yeah i can't wait to preach it and just in the preparation process this week but 
Ms. Rich. So this has been a great series simply because there's so much in Second Timothy I didn't even realize. I, I thought it would be kind of a a break for me after Luke. Luke was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Second Timothy has proven to be an equal challenge, just in a different way. Because right. you're dealing with the the greatest missionary's last words. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me. There's a lot of emphasis on suffering, a lot of emphasis on false teaching and false teachers. Beware, be warned. And then he says, man, I've fought the good fight. Mm-hmm. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. I hope we can all say that. I've kept the faith. Yeah. I didn't I didn't bail. I didn't get disqualified. I, I didn't I didn't quit. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So stay tuned. All right. Well now we're gonna transition to our that stupid segment where we tell you what's stupid. So John, what's stupid today? The dumbest thing I think I've ever read in NCAA Division One football is the firing of Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And we have a lot of Aggie friends, and they're all, you know, they're great. They are great. But even a lot of Aggie friends are, like, <laughs> shaking their heads, scratching their heads, going, what in the world? And we all want to be fired from Texas A&M. Yeah. I would – I'll coach you out the rest of this season. They can fire me for $8 million. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I'll make a mess of that deal. What a gig. That's a sweet gig. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I was teasing the match group Monday afternoon that they'd fire me for $3 million. <laughs> I'd walk away. They'd never see me again. I mean, who's ever heard of this kind of stuff? And oh, then the that's... money they raised, uh, $116 million. Was it $116 million or $160 million? I think it was $160 million. million. Yeah, I'm gonna the 12th check. Man Association or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, so the the 12th Man Foundation donor gave uh, to Texas A&M Athletics 160 million and 470 thousand um, dollars to cover all the transition expenses from this debacle. And what makes it stupid even more is they gave this check during the halftime <laughs> of Jimbo Fisher's yeah, last game, which he won, which he won convincingly. It was like sixty-five to some. What was the final score? I can't remember, but it was a it was a good old-fashioned whipping. Yes. So I don't. Uh, that is the dumbest, stupidest thing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend our Aggie friends, but that even, they would agree. Even they're going. That's stupid. That and is now stupid. they're in the national conversation. Now I mean they've succeeded in uh, passing up prime. <laughs> I mean, who would ever thought that you'd have something like this happen that would that would Take precedent over Prime's monopoly of the the media. Yeah. And then I, I saw one of my friends sent me a, a meme. Or, is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Meme, meme uh, yeah. Good job. With, with Deion Sanders wearing a Texas A&M hat. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Well, that would be hysterical. A&M would know what to do with Deion. No. Because Prime's bigger than Deion. <laughs> I mean, Prime's bigger than A&M. Excuse right. me. But uh, – yeah, that, that whole thing has just got dumb written all over it. Yeah, that's stupid. I can't believe I, – I just can't believe that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's D-U-M-B. It's stupid that you have that much money and you can just throw away $75 million like it's nothing. It, it, it's just uh, – uh, it's a terrible statement about our values in this culture. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's stupid. I mean, because if you you get fired from your job, you're lucky if you get three months severance. <laughs> right. 
But Jimbo will never have to work again. No. Why would he? Shoot. Man. He's going to be sitting by a lake house somewhere. You know it. Laughing all the way to the bank <laughs> every time right. he collects a check. So if I, I think I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I think I read somewhere where he's guaranteed the $25 million, and then the rest will become in installments. And so he's set for, I mean, he, he's got it. Again, I'd take $3 million. <laughs> I, I would say, hey, I don't need all that. Just give me $3 mil. I'm it's out. Stupid. You'll never hear from me again. And what's going to be annoying and also we can say is stupid is we're only going to hear about this for so long throughout the rest of the season about. Well, because it's just, <laughs> it's a, it's a laughing stock. <laughs> yes. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. The, where all this is going in sports, like it's a terrible indictment and commentary yes. on our culture. It is. What our values are. It's so messed up. We could talk so much about but, it. But the, the fact that you have uh, the Aggie alumni have those kinds of deep pockets. Brother, I'm a graduate of Hardin-Simmons University. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask my wife if I could buy a pair of running shoes. <laughs> So yeah. I'm proud to be an HSU alum, but goodness gracious. Yeah, I don't know if that's where my money would be going if I had that much money. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's funny, too. We're just going to only add to it because we could talk about this forever. But the AD, they knew they were going to fire him, but they waited till they had the check in hand. <laughs> Dude, that's something up for it. Who would want to go coach there? I, 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 guess who, I guess the other question is, like, who wouldn't? Yeah. Because even if I don't do well. I'm banking. That's right. I'm gonna. I have my golden parachute. I will say, a And M does put the money where their mouth is. They do. <laughs> yeah, I'm cracking up because they're already talking about uh, their head coaching candidates. Yeah, seems a little premature to me. <laughs> but they're talking about the guy at Duke. I don't know him. Never met him. I don't know. I don't know what kind of coach he is. Duke. Seems to me you better get someone who understands how the Aggie world works yes. and how the SEC works mm-hmm. and how competitive the SEC is and how even losing one game in the SEC can compromise your eligibility to play for a national championship. It's that competitive. Yeah. But it's also a big <laughs> money conference. Yep. You're right. So it all gets down to the love of money. <laughs> and the love of money is the root of many kinds of evil. <laughs> that's true. So all to say, that's stupid. That is so stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, guys, I know that y'all were so excited that we finally got to our that's yeah, stupid. And that's segment. a good one, too. And I had several others that would have rocked also. We'll have to save them. Yeah, they'll come in the later weeks. <laughs> but uh, as always, we're so grateful that you join us every week. And to remember, we ask that you make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Thanks. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.